Welcome to this week's podcast from Suncoast Church. For more details, check out suncoast.org.au. We hope you enjoy this message. Thanks, Keith. You know, I've been um, pastoring for, in one way or another, for about 17, 18 years. And the theme of people feeling uh, burnt out, worn out, exhausted, tired, uh, has I hear, have heard over and over again. And it's funny enough, it hasn't just come from one age, it comes from so many ages. And as well, on top of that, it's whether you're a Jesus follower or not. I mean, you might be new to church tonight or for sure, even if you believe in God, or you might be someone who's totally devoted to following Jesus. And it can be an experience that can sneak up, in, in Keith's words, can sneak up on anybody. And if the last 18 months have certainly hammered home something to all of us, is that life can certainly be out of our control at times. And if you, you only have to turn on the news for like, I don't know, five minutes, and you will hear some of the heartbreaking statistics about Australia's mental health at the moment. Um, a lot of the pressures people are feeling, um, it's putting pressures on people's not only mental health, but marriages and families and businesses and finance, you name it, like, and even people's faith. And so this is such an important topic. You know, we're not a, this is not a GP clinic. It's not a psychologist's couch. However, tonight, I do want to talk to you as your pastor. And if you're not normally part of Suncoast Church, you can adopt me as your pastor tonight, okay? I can't, so, and last week we kind of talked about some of the signs of burnout, some of the warning signs, and I promised that tonight we would uh, talk about some solutions. So I'm going to be sharing a whole lot of practical solutions that you can put in place in your life tonight. And it's definitely going to come from a place of, I care for you, I love you, and you are not alone. So last week, we, if you remember, we finished with a question because we talked about signs or warning signs of burnout. And tonight we're going to talk about solutions. Who remembers what the question I gave you as homework to do is? Great, you got it. What is setting my pace? Because something is or someone is. We're all living a pace of life, whether on purpose or by accident, that is set by someone who comes from somewhere. And we ultimately landed on what Jesus invited us to do. And we looked at the passage from Matthew last week where Jesus invited people who were burnt out, people who were tired or exhausted. And he says, I want you to come and follow me and ultimately to learn from me. And so we looked at what it meant to learn the Jesus way, to learn a pace of life that comes from Jesus himself. Because if you look at the life of Jesus, it was quite amazing. He had time for everyone. From crowds to individuals, he had time for family, for the community, he had time for going to church, and also had time to go into weddings and partying. In fact, sometimes the weddings he went to, he was the barman there, it was amazing. But in the middle of all of that, Jesus, all Christian jokes, I'll move on. In the middle of all of that, Jesus as well, he had time to get alone and to spend time in prayer with his heavenly Father. And so we wanted to learn from Jesus about how do we get a pace of life that we can kind of get from the Jesus way. And within that, we understood that burnout can often look like this. It's when we, or burnout can come from saying yes to other people's priorities whilst, and this is important, neglecting our own. You ever done that before? You found yourself always trying to please other people and meet other people's needs. Now, on a side note, if you're a Jesus follower, caring about what's important to other people is actually a pretty big deal. Like, arguably, We're supposed to be some of the friendliest, nicest, compassionate people in the world. But the real kicker with this principle is is doing that stuff whilst neglecting your priorities or what's important to you. And sometimes burnout can sneak up on on us that way where we neglect the things that we should be holding precious and important and valuing. And in fact, Keith talked about that, putting in good, healthy boundaries. So ultimately within all of that, learning from the Jesus way last week, we landed on this idea that he invites us, and this has been so helpful for my life, to discover a pace of life that leads to life. 
the pace of life that leads to light. And again, I want to talk about this because you're a human, I'm a human, life is complicated. And there must be at least two days at the moment of every single week where I just feel overwhelmed. I don't know how you're doing at the moment. Maybe you wouldn't say you're burnt out, but you might feel like it's creeping up and you can see the warning signs. And given the tension that we're all living in right now, um, with so much uncertainty and a lot of our, out of our control, just, we wanted to talk about this because we care about how you're doing. And we care about how you're doing because God cares about how you're doing. And we need to talk about our pace of life. And if we're not intentional about this, and we're not on purpose about this, you will potentially live a pace of life that could lead to burnout. And this isn't a talk about what to do if you're burnt out, and if you are burnt out, or if you are suffering in a way that is uh, super problematic. Again, I'm not a doctor. Go see a GP, go see a psychologist. There's a ton of people that are there to help. But we want to talk about how to avoid getting there. How to see burnout coming a long way off and make wise decisions. And listen, if you're a teenager here or a young adult here, do not think that you avoid of this tension as well. You need to be intentional about the pace of life that you set. So what we're going to do tonight is look at um, one passage where Jesus taught on his last night on earth. Remember last week we looked at his invitation to come to him and learn from him and lean into him. Well, tonight we're going to look at what he said to those people who had come to him and were learning from him. And John was in the room when Jesus was teaching this, and this is what John recorded Jesus saying. Jesus said, I'm the vine, you're the branches. Now, just in case you're not familiar with Bible speak, this is an analogy, right? It's a a word picture. You're not really a vine, but you get the idea. He's like, you're the vine. Sorry, I'm the vine, you're the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. That makes sense, right? So if you've ever broken off a branch from a tree... The branch can't survive by itself for long. It will wither and die. This is the picture Jesus is painting. It goes on in the next verse. If you do not remain in me, you're like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. Talk about a graphic picture of burnout, right? Now, if you've ever had like a bonfire before in the backyard, or you got over a friend's house, and you know, you go and collect it all like the broken sticks, and you like throw them in the bonfire. It's, just, it's a nice vibe, right? you kind of pictures kind of like this, right? You, and, you know, we're coming out of winter, but you've probably had experiences like this in your life. Now, this is a nice picture. The problem is when this picture looks like your life, right? And you might find yourself as a, a stick that has been broken off, it's withered, and it's good for nothing other than being burnt. But ultimately, this is the picture Jesus was trying to paint, saying, listen, if you remain in me, you're going to be fruitful, your life is going to be productive, but if you don't remain in me, it's like a stick that's been broken off, and all that's left is to be burned up. Now, in other words, what principle is Jesus trying to get across here? I think he's saying this. Burnout happens when you and I are disconnected from our source. And wherever you stand on kind of faith and believing in God, this isn't a complicated idea to understand, right? Like, for instance, there can be so much potential in this thing, but eventually it will run dry. If I don't plug it into a source of power, no matter how much potential is inside of it, no matter how much I paid for it, no matter how much apps I have downloaded, It'll run out. It will burn out. But even in a truer sense, Jesus is tapping into this about even the more meaningful parts of our life. That burnout happens when we are disconnected. And so you use this term about remaining in Him. In other words, Jesus encouraged, listen, for your life to flourish, and He used the term be fruitful, you must make sure you are connected to God. Now, what do we mean by that? I saw this play out several years ago in a very dramatic way. The guy I uh, grew up with, he was an amazing musician, and he was in a band. 
the band got super successful. They were a Christian band, and eventually America opened up to them. They started touring, and they, before we knew it, after a couple of years, they were packing out stadiums all over the world. It's actually amazing to witness. I was fangirling super hard, and I was super like, proud to know this guy. And um, anyway, they, you know, they're writing incredible Christian music and songs. Some of you, if you follow you know, Christian music, you probably know some of these songs. And uh, word started coming back that maybe not everything was okay with the guy that I knew. And he's, the first signs of cracking in his armor, I guess you could say, is he started rocking up to band practices with porn. And it was awkward for everyone involved in the band practice. And because they never had a kind of open dialogue about how, you know, people, they didn't ask, honestly, how you doing? Um, you know, they were successful, they were busy, they were doing God's work, all those things. And they're like, how do we have this chat to this guy? He just was, you know, just didn't care. And there he was, you know, checking out porn in public. Awesome. And then beyond there, he started drinking far too much. And again, these are more cracks in his armor. And again, they didn't know how to bring up the conversation with him. In fact, he ended up being drunk more than he wasn't. He started doing shows and concerts, um, you know, Christian concerts, fully drunk. And then from there, it got worse. Eventually got involved in heavy, heavy drugs till he was heavily addicted. And so on the surface, you know, this Christian band, people became Christians at their concerts, you know. Um, this guy I knew, he would like pray for people at concerts. But all along, he was high as. He was super drunk. He was addicted to so many substances and his life was falling apart. It got so bad that on tour one year, he was alone in a hotel room and he was about to take his own life. That's how broken he was. And in a moment of desperation, cried out to God and got on the phone, called someone who ha- on the other, in this, back in Australia who was friends with, who happened at the moment to be awake, got woken up by a dream about them. How's this? And in the dream, they, they saw the face of this person, didn't know what was going on, and so woke up and was just praying. And their phone rung, and it was this guy saying, I need help. And he came back to Australia and began his whole journey. of Obviously, had to get a lot of professional help. He was addicted to a whole lot of things. But in the middle of it, when I talked to him about this, he said the honest truth was, with all the other dynamics that you have to consider with the burnout he experienced, fundamentally, um, he was disconnected from God. And that's where he, the root of all his problems came from. Yeah, he was busy. Yeah, he struggled with fame and pride and insecurity, all that stuff. But he said, at the root of all this, I was disconnected from God. In other words, and this is, I think, what Jesus is trying to get across here, is burnout at its core is spiritual. Now, no doubt about it, there are so many other dynamics to burnout. There's physical components, and we'll talk about them tonight. There's emotional components, so certainly mental and relational components. And hear me, we talked about this last week. Wisdom certainly says that we must take responsibility for those things, the things that are in your hands. I know there's a lot of stuff that isn't, but the things that are in your hands, you and I to take responsibility for it. But right at the root of it, Jesus is teaching that that picture of burnout of being something disconnected from the vine, disconnected from the soul. It is a spiritual issue, which is why we bother talking about it in this context. And so what does that mean practically for us? I know kind of how I've tried to work this out. What does it mean to like remain in Christ if I find myself as that branch and Him being divine? How does that, how does that work out in my life? I'm conscious that I have this temptation, and you might have this temptation too, to try and do everything myself. And what I find is all these spiritual principles and practices that we talk about so often in church community and our connect groups and Sundays, wherever it might be for you, um, these are a whole lot of practices to allow room in your life for your heavenly Father. 
For instance, the reason, and we again talked about this last week, the reason we're super disciplined and encourage people to take a Sabbath every week, to take, you know, a day off where you don't work and you don't do things that stress you out, but do things that replenish you. The idea of that, as much as your life is busy and particularly you've got a lot going on in your life, you don't have a day to just chill, right? When you do that, that is essentially making room in your life for God to work for you. It's pausing long enough to go, I don't have to control everything in my life. I can trust God. It's the same with making space in your finances. When you budget to put God first in your finances, that is inviting God to take place before you financially burn out. The reason I pray every single day, I've got so much on, I've got other things, like I've been doing a million other things in the time I set aside to pray and read my Bible every day, but I do that to pause, to invite God in. I learn to stay connected to the source of my joy, the source of my hope, the source of my strength, because ultimately I recognize that burnout has a spiritual side to it, which is why we encourage to do these manner of things. So what I want you to understand though, besides the burnout side of things, okay, at the heart of what te- Jesus is teaching here actually isn't about avoiding burnout. He talked about, if you remember the word, he says, he talked about, if you remain in me, you will bear much fruit. So at the heart of Jesus' teaching, he's not trying to just give a warning at burnout. He's actually talking about what it means to live a fruitful life, what it means to be someone who's part of a growing vineyard, that you would be a right juicy grape, good for a whole lot of beautiful and wonderful things. You ever been to a vineyard before and you've seen it in full bloom and you see grapes kind of, you know, hanging off the vine there? This is the picture. I've given you so many vocal cues. There it is. Okay. I was trying to find more, but you got there. (laughs) Um, But this is the picture Jesus is saying. You can be like this. And if you remain in me, your life ultimately will be fruitful. So Jesus' teaching wasn't simply about avoiding burnout, but finding what it means to be fruitful. And the reason I think this is important for us to know is that the heart of Christianity, it's not about (laughs) avoiding evil. Listen, the heart of Christianity isn't about avoiding hell. The heart of Christianity, it's about knowing life. And in the same way, avoiding burnout is not simply about not doing something. Avoiding burnout is about doing the right something. Let me put it another way to you. Avoiding burnout. It's not, doesn't happen by doing less things. Avoiding burnout happens by doing the right things. And there, it might sound subtle, but it, there's an enorm, enormous difference in our life. Because we can often think, right, John, if I've heard you correctly in this series, I've just got to stop doing things. I knew it. I'm going to quit every volunteer role I have. I'm going to stop rocking up to anything that asks anything of me. I'm going to stop working. I'm going to, this is exactly what I wanted to do with my life. Thank you so much. I'm going to Netflix and chill until Jesus returns one day. That is my, wow. The point is, it's not that, right? It's not doing less things, but it's doing a stock take on the things you are doing and being intentional about finding things that actually are fruitful. Isn't this true? There's not many more frustrating things in life than being committed to something or working hard at something only to have nothing to show for it, right? If you're in uni here, if you've ever been in uni and you've been in like a group project and you're the one working heaps hard and no one else is and you're like, we have nothing to show and it gets to like assignment day or the day you've got to stand in front of the class and no, you know what I'm talking about? Some of you are those people that do nothing. I don't know, right? So what we're talking about here is not a license for laziness, right? These are lessons in longevity. These are principles to help you prosper and be fruitful in life. And so I'm conscious that there is a temptation, not simply about, you know, about doing less things or doing the right thing, but we can often find ourselves doing a whole lot of things that aren't fruitful, to use Jesus' term, right? We can, man, isn't this true? We can waste time. We can waste energy. Man, when I was in university, 
I got two degrees. I only paid for one of them, but I got a degree in sociology and a degree in procrastination. It is amazing how qualified I am at that, right? Right, we seem to, no one has to teach you how to waste time, waste energy. Man, we waste emotion. Think about how much money you have wasted in life. We waste opportunity. And if we're not intentional about this, we can find ourselves devoting too much of our lives to things that are not fruitful. And let me just say for a moment, your life is amazing. The potential that your heavenly Father has put inside of you is limitless. And it's cliche and corny that might sound to you. Listen, you have the same makeup as every other person. You have the same amount of time in your day. You have breath in your lungs. You can make incredible decisions that can lead to a fruitful, flourishing, a life that can make a huge difference in the world. You have the same amount of minutes in a day as every single other person. And you are the one responsible for how you leverage your resources, your time, your finances, your energy, and even your faith. And I have a hunch that you want to live a life that doesn't just have to work to pay a mortgage or to pay exorbitant rents on the Sunshine Coast or whatever it might be right now. I have a hunch that you want your life to count for something. And this is exactly what Jesus was tapping in here on his last night on earth, right? He's about to be crucified. He's with his followers saying, listen, your life has to be fruitful. But the secret to being fruitful, to avoid burnout is to stay connected to me. And so Jesus taught about what it means, what's the things we can gravitate towards and commit to that can lead to being fruitful. So in my life, maybe about uh, probably, I don't know, post-uni, maybe towards the end of uni, I got really challenged about how much television I was watching. And this was before Netflix, okay? Now, don't worry, don't worry, don't worry. I'm not about to guilt trip everyone and shame you for television. I'm not about to demonize, you know, television at all. I love, I love demonize. There's a word. Congratulations to all the demon supporters out there. Some of you don't understand football. That's a really weird statement to say in church. It's a football team that won the AFL Grand Final yesterday. Congratulations. Okay. Um, but <laughs> I love like movies. Trust me, I love movie, movies, Netflix, all that, like the next guy. I love it. But I was challenged about how much I watched. And more from the perspective of like, I got challenged. Johnny, like you give so much time to this and it's all good. Like entertainment, you know, great. You give so much time to it. Think about all the potential that's lying dormant that you could be investing into your life. And so I got challenged, read a book. I was like, okay, I'm going to read one book this year. And I, and I did it. And it was a book called Wild at Heart from John Eldridge. And it was like, it was radical. I was about 19 when I read it. And it was the only book I read that year. And I can still remember a whole lot in it. And it was super helpful for me that year. I was like, done, I'm tapping out. I'm a fruitful person now. So I got challenged, double it. And you double it, man. So two books in that year. And ever since then, been turning up the heat, been challenged. And here's the issue. Eventually, I got challenged, read a book a month. And my, my, like, my rebuttal to that was, but that's going to eat into my television time, you know. Couldn't believe this. So it wasn't about watching less TV. It's about doing more of the things that led to fruitfulness in my life. Now, when I talk about books, I'm not talking about novels, right? I'm not a, I know a lot of you love novels, and that's awesome, but I would much prefer to read, watch something in 90 minutes and take 90 days to read it, right? That's just me. I'm uncultured. I understand. Judge me. Go ahead. Judge me away. I don't even care right now. Don't at me. Um, that's pop culture. So, so anyway, but, but the, essentially what happened was for me to, I started reading things that developed me spiritually, you know, mentally, education, all those things. And, and now I'm at a state, so my goal this year is to hit 20 books. 
by the end of this year. I'm well on my way to doing that. Now, some of you are going, Johnny, that is so basic. I'm like, that's just me, all right? You got your thing, that's awesome. I'm glad you read 20 books a month. Good for you. But for me, this is important to be intentional about how I was investing into the things that led to fruitfulness in my life. And not to, again, to talk down about, man, again, I love watching. You get the idea, right? So that's the principle Jesus is saying, leading to things that are going to be fruitful for our life. And I think he doubles down on this when he opened this conversation to his disciples. We kind of had jumped in halfway through, but right at the beginning of what Jesus was teaching, here's what he said in verse six. Jesus said, I'm the true vine. We got that earlier. He said, but my father's the gardener and he cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. And whilst every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. Now, I know a lot of you come from a great horticultural or maybe farming background, but for those who don't know, this is common. This isn't like a, this isn't rare. This is common, okay? So if a tree is unfruitful, chop it off. If it is fruitful, it might seem counterintuitive, but the whole idea is prune it back, chop it off a bit more so it will grow back even chunkier and hairy. Kind of like, guys, that's why we don't shave our legs, guys, because you know it grows back hairier, which is why you start shaving, you know, when you're 12, then you get a big beard by the time you're 15. That's what I was told anyway, and it worked. So, but this is the idea, right? It's literally the same principle. But I looked at this and go, okay, this is a bit of a harsh picture. Like, what's, what's Jesus trying to say about, about what, how what happens? So if I'm not fruitful, like, I get cut off? Like, what's the whole idea? And as I delved into this, I realized he's painting a picture about a principle in life that you already know. And whether you're a Christian or not, or believe in God, or been following Him for years, this is a principle you, we all know. What he's saying here is whether you're being cut off or being pruned, both require chopping. So a branch that is fruitless, it's going to get chopped, or a branch that is fruitful, it's going to get chopped. In other words, both of them will experience a measure of pain. And when it comes to the principle he's showing for our lives here, a burnt out life, isn't this true, and a fruitful life, they both know pain. You'll either know the pain of faithfulness, of commitment, of stickability, of devoting your life to something and remaining in it, or you know the pain of regret, burnout, and wasted opportunity. Both of them experience pain. So what I'm about to share right now, about these practical things we can put in place in our life to avoiding burnout and living a fruitful life. This is not some secret recipe to avoiding pain and discomfort. It's not that at all. It's just practical things we can put in place to avoid burnout and chase after a fruitful, flourishing, full kind of life that can make a difference with the years we've been given. So, are you ready? Number one, <laughs> first thing we can do to avoid burnout and live a fruitful life is sort your priorities. Sort your priorities. I want you to think about your life for a moment. I really mean this. Do this. The things that are in your life, what you spend your hours and your days and your minutes and your moments doing with your life. Everything from your family, your boyfriend or girlfriend, your church, your hobbies, your job, entertainment, ministry, commitments, volunteering, volunteering, work, personal growth, right? List them all. Prioritize them. Like what takes priority in your life? And then work out, okay, how do you kind of balance what should have the top priority? Is it pleasure or is it purpose? Do you value more people or things? Do you value God's kingdom or your own? Do you value leaving a legacy or frivolity, right? So based on what you value, you set your, or you sort your priorities. And once you've got your priorities sorted, what's top priority and go through the list, the second thing you've got to do is create a plan. Create a plan. And 
you already know this to be true because if you aren't living by a plan that you've created, you're probably living your life by a plan that someone else has created for you and you didn't even know it. That freaks me out to think if I'm not intentional about my money, my time, my energy, my resources, even my faith, well, who is creating a plan? Whose plan am I living by? So create a plan for your time and be intentional about it. Have you ever had those moments where you're like flicking through, scrolling through your phone and next minute, two and a half hours has gone by? Like, where did that go? Probably because you didn't have a plan for that two and a half hours. And so Instagram went, I'll take up your two and a half hours gladly, right? And someone pays big money for that. So if you don't create a plan for your life, ultimately, this might sound harsh and absolute, but think about it. You can be living life by someone else's plan. No different to your money. If you don't have a plan for your money, isn't this true? There's a lot of other companies out there who have plans for your money. And they will gladly take priority of your money. So have a plan for your money. Have a plan for your health. Man, do you have a plan for your relationships? Right? So when Chloe and I got hitched, um, I was trying to figure this out. I didn't really know what I was doing. And so I was like, Chloe, we need to have like a plan for our marriage. Like, let's have a vision for our marriage. Like, what's our goal for our marriage? And Chloe's like, what do you mean? I'm like, you know, let's have a vision for our marriage. She's like, let's just stay married? Like, I'm like, yeah, 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 but like a vision for it. I don't know, if we're doing good, we should just be married. So, uh, I didn't get it, right? So it took me a while. But then I realized there is this principle. Like, you do need to have a plan for, you know, if you're dating someone, is there a plan? Like, as a parent would say to a prospective boyfriend, what are your, you got it. Jack, you're not even a dad yet. It's amazing. You heard it though from Mr. In-law, didn't you? Yeah, yeah. What are your intentions? Oh, great. Do you have a plan for that? Do you have a financial plan? You know, that's great. Do you have a plan for your personal growth? Anyway, you get the idea. And the last principle is this, the last point about how to set our pace in life is you must live by principles. So we're talking about setting a pace that leads to life. You've got to sort your priorities, create a plan, and you've got to live by principles. Now, whether you're a Christian or not, this is irrespective. You've got to live by some form of principles. Have you thought about what your principles are? And you could insert any other term you like there. But for example, I've wrestled for years about what are the like guiding principles of my life. And here's the important part. Principles work irrespective of the season you're in. It's not a principle if you throw it away when, it's, when you're busy. Because we're always busy. When was the last time we weren't busy? We're even busy on holidays. We're busy on weekends. We're busy when we go to sleep at night. So busy is just busy away busyness, okay? Principles are something that remain even in stressful seasons, even during exam season, even during when work's hectic. These are things that do not shift in your life ever. Do you live by any principles? Now, for me, just to give you an example, and you can feel free to steal these or think they're rubbish and come up with your own, go for it. You can, I've got at least three. You can have 30 if you want. I don't mind. But for example, for me, longevity is a big one. Chloe and I decided years ago that we want to get to the end of our life when we are old. I was about to say gray-haired. I'm already gray-haired. Thank you, Jesus. But the point is we want to get to the end of our life, the other end of our life, and still be full of joy, still love each other, still love people, still be liked by people, you know, making a difference for God in our, in our lifetime. So longevity is a big principle for us. So we live by that. That helps us, because we've said yes to that principle, it helps us say no to things in the present that could be too much in the moment. Another principle that I live by is to be present, to be in the room, to make every moment count. You ever chat with those people and like when you're talking to them, they're always like, yeah, yeah, and they're looking over your shoulder for the next person to talk to. It just grinds my gears. So I'm like, be present, be in the moment, be in the room, be here. That's why like you're here tonight. When I hear that someone falls asleep when I'm preaching, it is the biggest compliment 
I could ever hear. Because I'm like, they could be sleeping anywhere. And they've chosen to be here and sleeping. That is amazing. But the truth is, like, when I, I grew up in church, and I was like, if I'm going to have to sit through some dude up there talking for 35 minutes, I might as well be present and either come up with a whole list of things why I think he's wrong, or go, man, that's actually kind of super helpful. But whatever it is, it's a principle I've lived by. And the last principle, we talked about this last week, is the spiritual disciplines. Chloe and I Sabbath. We make sure there's a day of week where we blood guilt-free. We do things that replenish us. I have daily time in prayer and reading Scripture. We tithe, irrespective of how tight our budget is and how much stuff we've got on, we proportion more than the first 10% of everything we earn, and we give it to God. And it's a way we practically trust Him and say, our finances aren't all in our hands. We trust you with our lives. Anyway, there are our principles. So sort your priorities, create a plan, live by principles. The, then I ask the question, I ask it tonight, what would be some of the reasons that we don't address this stuff? And there are reasons. You might be sitting here tonight going, yeah, it's good for you to say, John, I don't know about me. And I've wrestled with this. Like, what are some of the reasons we would hesitate to put some of these things in practice to maintain a healthy pace of life? The first I've discovered is we can often have too much pride. I don't need any help. I don't need anyone to tell me what to do. I don't need a plan. I've got my rhythm. I've got my pace. Sure, I have rough times and all that, but it's, you know, I don't need anyone. We, we just sometimes will be too independent and we have no interest in, certainly no interest in God's advice in my life. So we can have too much pride and we don't take on good counsel. And beyond that, we can sometimes have not enough patience, right? We want it done now. I need this fixed now. Give me the pill. Give me the, give me the three steps. I can just, what's the book I can read or the YouTube I can watch and I've got this sorted, right? We want our pace fixed immediately. But a lot of this stuff takes time to learn. It takes years to develop good principles and habits and behaviors into a plan for your life. And finally, and this is sometimes the biggest one, I certainly know it's been in my life, is the reason we often don't address our pace in life to a healthy degree is because we can be influenced by the wrong kinds of people. Voices shape choices. No doubt about it. And one of the things Chloe and I determined a long time ago is when we wanted to be intentional about who we let speak into our lives. Because people speak into our lives all day and I haven't given enough credit in life to the voices that can affect my mindsets, my hope in life. This is why often if you watch too much media, it's why you can end up being depressed all day long because voices can shape how you think about the world. So what Chloe and I decided to do many years ago is we want to lean in and listen to people and learn from people who have the kind of fruit in their life that we want. So for example, we've seen marriages that are decades ahead of us and we respect them. We're like, hey, that's the kind of marriage we're gonna learn from. So we ask them every question. We let them speak into our lives. We learn from them. Voices shape choices. When we've seen um, you know, children that were like, we want our kids to be like them. We hang out with their parents. Like, how did you raise your kids? Teach us how, you, you know, teach us how we do that, you know? So we've got two girls. So we find other parents of daughters and like, how do you raise, how do you raise girls? So again, voices shape choices. Who are you letting to speak into your life and influence this. Because again, if you're not intentional about it, you can have it by accident. And lastly, if you are burnt out and if you are exhausted, the words we read of Jesus last week, you feel like you are burdened and weary and tired. I wanna give you three things to not do. If you feel like you're emotionally wrecked at the moment, you feel like your anxiety is high and you've been in that state for months or maybe even longer, if you know you were showing some severe signs of burnout, maybe you're going through grief or heartbreak or some kind of torment in your life, here are three things I'm asking you. And again, this is coming from as a pastor, 
from that kind of capacity to encourage you. And this comes from, from wisdom of people I've gleaned off over my life. There's three things I want to ask you to consider not doing if right now you aren't in the most healthy place. Number one, don't make big decisions. Often the worst decisions we can make in life happen when we aren't in a good emotional or mental state, when we're feeling burnt out. Sometimes the biggest regrets happen because we weren't ourselves. And you've been there, right? You've probably said something before and you've had to go back and apologize going, sorry, I was having the worst week and you caught me at the wrong moment. I shouldn't have opened my mouth, but I did. Now, that's a thing in and of itself, but there can be even deeper problems, right? Like bigger bad decisions that we can make, right? For example, be careful about selling your house when, you know, you're in a really bad place. Be careful about considering whether you quit your job or not, quit your job or not if you're not in a great place. And I want to say this as well. If you're not in a great place, emotionally or mentally, you're feeling burnt out. For those of you that are married here, I want to ask you to do something. I want you to not do something. Don't cheat on your spouse. Rarely when we talk to people who experience that kind of pain and heartbreak, it wasn't because they were in a great place, because someone was in a bad place, and they made a decision that they regretted. And I know that might sound simple, but I'm asking you, just in case no one else says it to you, or in case you're wrestling with it right now, if you are not yourself, and you are listening to voices that are encouraging maybe something that you know in your core is not you, press pause for a moment. Hold up making decisions that you know down the track. You look back and go, why did I do that? Just press pause. If you're not yourself right now, don't make big decisions. Secondly, if you're not yourself right now, if you're burnt out, if you're tired, press pause on drawing conclusions about yourself. For whatever reason, we can have this weird thing about us where when we're low, we beat ourselves up. We, feel, we add to the feeling of feeling low or burned out by then adding guilt to that because we feel that way. And we can then draw conclusions that I'm not lovable, I'm not worthy, I'm not likable, there's no hope for me. Here's the thing, if you're in a difficult place right now, I just want you to press pause on drawing any conclusions about your potential, about your worth. I want to tell you that you are loved so deeply by your Heavenly Father. It is immeasurable how much God thinks of you. And it isn't just rhetoric or emotion. He proved His love for you by giving His own life on a cross to die for the sins, not just of the world, but of your sins and your mistakes. You are so loved and you are not alone. So if you're feeling the opposite right now, just press pause on drawing any of those conclusions about yourself. And finally, press pause if you're experiencing burnout on drawing conclusions about God. And I've been there before where I have felt super anxious, worried, felt alone, been heartbroken. And it's easy to believe a temptation that God is absent, that we can confuse God's silence with God not caring. We can draw unhealthy conclusions or certainly not true conclusions about what God is like. So before you give up on faith, and if you're tempted to do that, because you're going through something difficult right now. Just press pause on walking out on your faith for a moment. Because when we're confused about what God is like, and I tell you, grief can do this, heartbreak can do this, it can blur our vision of what God is like. And we talked about this last week. Jesus paints the most beautiful picture of what He is like. And if you recall the verse that we read last week, here's what Jesus said. Matthew records, He said this, 
I want you to come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Learn from me. Notice what he says about himself. For I am gentle and humble in heart. You will find rest for your souls. And when we are burnt out, when we are worn out, when we are discouraged, how quickly that can paint a picture in our lives of what God is like. And I get that. But Jesus says, you want to know what I'm like? I'm gentle. I'm not going to pressure you. I'm not going to force things on you. I'm not going to load you up with more stresses. I'm the opposite. I want to invite you to come to me as you are. Are you worn out? Come to me. Are you burnt out? Come to me. Are you tired? Are you exhausted? Are you burdened? Come to me. And I'm not going to ask anything from you. I'm not like that. I'm gentle. I'm humble in heart. I'm not going to require you pay a bill or pay a fare. Just come as you are. I'm not going to ask anything from you. I promise to give you something. And what I give you, nothing in this world can give you, no money can give you, no holiday can give you, but I will give you rest for your souls. And come on, let's be honest. There is this hectic pace that we can all be tempted to follow in the world right now. I even just think media alone, how quickly it is to get drawn into always, what's happening, what's happening, what's happening, what's happening. That alone can set a pace of life that certainly doesn't lead to life. It leads to a whole lot of other things. But our culture, our world, our society has a pace. And the world's pace, it takes. But Jesus' pace does the opposite. It gives. And you'll either live your life by a pace set by our culture, by voices that can take from your life, take your hope, take your courage, but Jesus' pace does the opposite. It gives. And Jesus said, if you're tired and you're burnt out and you're worn out, come to me and you will receive rest. Jesus is for you. So we shared a whole lot of practical principles tonight and I encourage you, begin like tonight, tomorrow, write your priorities, write a plan, figure out some principles, do it when you connect group, sit down this week, do it with your spouse, sit as with your family around the dinner table. Kids, sit at the table, we're sorting through this. Really, Dad? Ice cream, I promise. No frills Neapolitan. You can all have it. Okay, Dad. I don't know, did family still do that? I'm not sure. That was my upbringing. Great. <laughs> but figure this out because Jesus says, I want you to learn from me. And if you learn the Jesus pace of life, maybe, 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 you'll begin a pace of life that doesn't lead you to be worn out, burnt out, tired, stressed. You learn a pace of life that leads to life. So here's my question to finish with. Where in your life do you need to change your pace? Where in my life do I need to change pace? It's a question I want to encourage you to ask. And secondly, is there a decision that you need to hold off on until things cool down in your life? Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, I'm so grateful that you're aware of the tensions we're carrying, those here that maybe are experiencing burnout or stress. Or as even as Jesus said, are just weary and burdened. I'm praying, Holy Spirit, that you would minister to every single man, woman, and child here right where they're at. You've been feeling tonight, there's maybe a whole bunch of teenagers here that are wrestling with anxiety, and you've even had words like depression spoken to you. And if you're feeling like that tonight, maybe you're in high school or university, 
and you feel like there's the weight of the world on your shoulders. Jesus wants you to know that if you remain in Him, there is so much life and hope and joy to be found. And to choose Jesus before you choose anything else in the world. He loves you so much. He is for you. God, for any of those teenagers here that are overwhelmed and burdened and are stressed out, may they be set free tonight in Jesus' name. May the stress lift off their shoulders. May sleep come back to their life. May the bad dreams go away. May they laugh again. May they find joy again. For everyone here tonight, wherever their season is, may they know that Jesus pays of life tonight. I'd love us all to pray a prayer together. I'll invite you all to repeat after me. Maybe you're someone who's never prayed before. Maybe you've never experienced Jesus personally. This is a prayer for you to pray with everyone here tonight of asking Jesus into your heart. I know that kind of seems like a weird idea. We're using analogies here tonight, but this is essentially what you're doing. It's inviting Jesus into your life to accepting His love, His forgiveness, and His grace towards you. And if you'd like that tonight, you can be included in this prayer as we all pray this prayer together of following Jesus. So if we could, out loud, say, Dear Heavenly Father, thank You for Jesus, for His forgiveness and His love towards my life. I make a decision tonight to follow Him, to have all my sins forgiven, and to know His rest. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. We hope you are truly blessed by what you heard. For more details, check out suncoast.org.au.